Lord God, we are grateful that we can be here and, and, and really think about some of these issues and matters of life that uh, are very sobering. And uh, I, I know that there are people here this morning that are going through that right now, maybe uh, for themselves or maybe with a friend, loved one. And we just pray uh, for each one of those people and just thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ as we go through these things that we, uh, we're not alone and you're there with us even though it can be very challenging at times. We pray now as we talk about this very, uh, very challenging subject of, of time and winning the fight with time, uh, just give us a, a special wisdom, special measure of grace and, and, and strength as we think through these things and uh, the ability to contemplate uh, all that is there. We pray that and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, the fight, starting off that series, and we start off with the fight with time. And... Um, I will remind you of this from time to time. I'll tell you this again. Um, if you go, you can always follow along, whoever's speaking on it with our notes. Uh, just go if you have a, 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 either a portable device of some sort, an iPhone, uh, Blackberry, whatever, uh, the other thing, Android, um, either on your tablet or you can just go to the Renaissance Church website, look for notes, and the notes of that today's message will be right there. So you can kind of follow along if you want to. It's very, for some, some of us, like me, I'm visual, very visual. I like, I like it helps me whenever I'm listening um, and so forth. So it's there for you. Okay. Um, this thing, of, this thing of time and the fight. I gotta. I mean, I gotta talk about that because it's uh, uh, one of the next statement that I'm going to give you in just a second. Um, it, it, it goes against me. It goes against everything within me because that's not who I am or the kind of person I am. But it's true. All right. And the statement is this: anything worthwhile takes time. I don't like that. I like. I like instant stuff. You know, okay, I'll wait a minute. You know, um, but, but it's just the truth. It's just the truth. Anything worthwhile takes time. And it's amazing how that all works. I think, I think about that with my, I, one of my passionate hobbies is golf. And uh, I've gone through different, different periods of time where, when I've tried new things to get better. I went through one period of time where all I, all I watched on TV was golf, golf channel. If one golf one, I watch golf. That's all I watch. My wife loved that period of time, by the way. She was very, she, she really enjoyed that. Um, but I went through that whole thing. All I did was watch golf. I didn't get any better. Well, why not? Well, because the only thing you can do if, if, in golf or any other kind of sport is you go out and golf, you, you hit the range. You go to the hit ball after ball after ball after ball. You go to the, the practice range at the greens, chip, 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 putt, putt, putt. And every now and then you get a pro. That well, may hey, you're doing this, or you're 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 you know, so, and, and different pros tell you different things. They you know, you got to hold your hand this way, or your tongue this way, or sometimes they get a little oversimplifying and almost become pedantic about it. And you're like, okay, uh, but but you got to have it. You got to have that. And and eventually, one of these days, I'm going to get good. Um, but still working at it. it. Takes time. Some of you, some of you are in, in your business, whatever your business might be, uh, it, it took time. Some of you, you know, if you're in the, in the, in the world of Wall Street related or Wall Street itself, um, it, you, 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 kind of what the guy in the video did. You know, you, you chose carefully what college you were going to go to. You worked really hard. You get one of those summertime uh, internships where you work 100, 100 hours a week and, and get paid nothing. But, you know, you do that for a couple summers and you finally get to land the big job with that bank or that company that you really wanted. And, uh, and then you started over again working 100 hours a week for very little. And, uh, but then you're, you're, you know, you're on your way. It takes time. Um, I don't, you know, whatever you're talking about. I'm trying to, I'm still, still, 
I'm still looking for those. I'm still trying to find those, that six-pack. It's in here somewhere. And um, I'm still working on that. It takes time. And beginning to get discouraged because, you know, sometimes, sometimes age works against you. Um, and you can't say it's, it's quality time versus quantity time. You can't separate those two. You don't get to the quality time until you have the quantity of time. Unfortunately, that's how it works. Remember Mal- Malcolm Gladwell? Remember that? I talked about him a couple weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. I quoted from his book, uh, David and Goliath. It's a business book, believe it or not. And by the way, I had the opportunity to see him shortly after I talked about him and his book. He was at uh, an event for Socrates in the city, and, and it's in New York. A friend of mine, Eric Metaxas, uh, that's his uh, ministry slash uh, business, if you will. And uh, Eric interviewed him, and I, we, we went to it. And you can see that. And I, I, would, I would recommend it to you. I posted it on my Facebook page. So if you want to go, if we're friends on Facebook, go to it and you'll see it. If we're not friends on Facebook, we need to become friends. We have, we have a little contest around here, a little, little contest. And I'm, I'm, it, I think it really does irritate me that Clay, you all know Clay, spiritual formation specialist, that dork, he has, I love him, but, but, but he has got more Facebook friends than I got. And that irritates, I don't mind, that irritates me a lot, so I need more friends. I mean, there's a difference. I, I, there's 13 years difference between us. So all his friends, obviously, are on the computer. A lot of my friends are old and dumb. They don't know how to work a computer. So, so none, of, none of you that are here are old and dumb. You don't need to understand that. The, the ones back where I was raised in Ohio. Anyway, uh, it just, kind of just kind of irritates me. But anyway, go to my, I, I got off the subject there. Um, go to my Facebook page, and you'll see that, and it's really worth watching. It's this interview with Malcolm Gladwell. Um, he, uh, he was a very quirky guy, but a very interesting guy. Well, anyway, he wrote another book. Maybe you've heard of it, Outliers. And um, he goes into great detail. He, he, in Outliers, one of his key points is that the experts, the professionals in their fields, those at the top, need 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert. That's sort of the premise of the whole book. And uh, he calls it the 10,000-hour rule. He, he got that based on a, on a book by Anders Ericsson. That book that he wrote and edited was called The Cambridge Handbook of Expertise and Expert Performance. So Gladwell bases his whole premise on that that 10,000-hour rule. In fact, Gladwell says this, practice isn't the thing you do once. It's not the thing you do once you're good. It's the thing that you do that makes you good. And he cites several examples in that book. And the first one that resonated with me was the, the Beatles. And, and he, he talked about the Beatles and how uh, they performed in Hamburg, Germany, over 1,200 times from 1960 to 1964, amassing more than 10,000 hours of playing, therefore meeting that 10,000-hour rule. And um, he asserts that the time the Beatles spent performing shaped their talent. He quotes the biographer of the Beatles, Norman, Philip Norman, as saying, by the time they returned to England from Hamburg, Germany, they sounded like no one else. It was the making of them. And of course, that was 64, 65-ish. By, um, by 1965, they become the, the, sort of the Fab Four and uh, become known as that's part of the British invasion. You know, everybody coming in. And, and, by, and, of course, all the, all the experts, the critics say the greatest music came after that. 66 was Revolver. Uh, 67, Sgt. Peppers, probably my favorite Beatles album. Um, 68 was the White Album and then Abbey Road, which is also a good one, 69. All that came after 64 when had this 10,000-hour rule had been amassed. Interesting, huh? One of the other examples that I will use... Um, is Bill Gates, as in Microsoft Bill Gates. And he, he, he met the 10,000-hour rule when he gained access, get this, to a high school computer 
that at the time, we're talking 1968. I graduated from high school in 1968. Um, I know it sounds shocking, I realize, but just hang on. Um, and, and trust me, we weren't talking about computers. Um, the thing is, I think, you know, I think I had read something about some, some big computer somewhere in Europe that was like two blocks long or something that was like this big mainframe computer, you know. So uh, we've come a long way because this year at, at, at Summit Middle Schools, every sixth grader is given an iPad. How about that? That's kind of cool. Oh, to go... Back to sixth grade, I'll get a free iPad. Um, yeah. Anyway, Gladwell explains that, that, that um, Gates, he, it was not commonplace to have access to a computer. And he, through an arrangement, he explains all the details of how he had access to this computer in 1968, which later on, Gates says, really helped him in his own discovery of what he could do in writing software. And, of course, Microsoft comes out of that. And, and I'm sure that Mr. Gates would have been a charming, intelligent guy. Had all this not happened, I doubt that he would have been worth $50 billion or whatever it is he's worth, he's worth now. Gladwell explains in his own life that his writing with the American Spectator, then later on uh, now the Washington Post and the New Yorker magazine, also got him past that 10,000-hour mark. So, you say... Where are you going with this, Rich? You know where I'm headed, don't you? How are you doing with the 10,000-hour rule and your time with God? I mean, maybe you're doing that in your profession. Maybe you're doing that with some of your hobbies or one of your hobbies. You don't have a lot. But the most important thing for any of us is our relationship with our Creator. And and if we're going to try to become, quote-unquote, an expert won't really happen, but we'll just use that word for now, uh, on who God is and, and, and the attributes of, of, of our Lord, of, of, of God, it's going to take some time, and we're going to have to fight for that time. So, I mean, if we're going to understand who, you know, if we're going to, if we, we have to understand who God is to gain a heart of wisdom. We have to understand who God is to gain a heart of wisdom, and that takes time. So, battle we can't afford to lose, frankly. And, and, and it's a battle that everybody, you know, when, when we're doing this, everybody benefits. Everybody, there's a trickle-down effect. When, I, when I'm doing this and spending this time with God, everybody, my, my, my relationships with my family, my friends, where I work, where I play, all, all, everybody benefits by me spending time with God and by you spending time with God. But it's a fight. I understand that. Can I tell you something? I'm a pastor. Arguably, I, I, get, I get paid to, to, to pray and, and, and study the Bible. It's still a fight. You know, I mean, obviously there's more to my job than praying and reading the Bible. But, I mean, that's some of the key components, right? It's still a fight for any of us. So you're not in this thing alone. Here's what I want to do. I want to take you to, to, to Psalm, the book of Psalms, or the, the, the Psalm chapter 90. Most of the Psalms we think of as being written by David, and most were. This particular Psalm was written by, by Moses, however, probably in the 40-year period of time when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, you know, trying, looking for the promised land. But uh, just, I'm just going to read through this very briefly, and then we're going to go back and find some points of application that can help us as we think about making this 10,000-hour rule a part of who we are, all right? Chapter, uh, Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you were brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet 
You sweep away, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger, terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you. This is pretty heavy right here. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We, we finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years, maybe 80, if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are trouble, but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and they fly away. We fly away, I should say. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us, watch this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to your children, and may the favor, love this, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Three things here that I think can help us as we, as we seek to figure out that 10,000-hour rule, and more importantly, as we seek to better understand who our God really is and the depths of his attributes because that's what we need to do to gain wisdom and that takes time. The first thing is examination. Examination. Say, what do you mean by examination? Look back just to verse 8 for just a moment. We just read it a minute ago. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. This is painful at times. Believe me, it's painful. But it's taking the time to do a thorough self-examination of yourself introspectively, you know, inside, you know, um, to identify your issues and identify your weaknesses. It's not a fun thing to do, but we need to do it pretty regularly. And, and you know, we can't even do it by ourselves. We have to ask God to help us see what some of those are. Um, Job says, how many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offense and my sin. David in one of the Psalms says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my actions and thoughts. Excuse me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, We can't do this without God's help. And sometimes we need to ask God, hey, help me to understand where I'm falling short. Because it's easy just to coast through life and not, not think about that. But we need to. We need to identify them because the first part of getting a cure is recognizing the problem. And if, if, if you have a hard time with that, you know, you, that's where you need a few friends around you too. Maybe a, maybe, maybe a spouse, maybe a close friend. Do I have any problems? Uh, yeah. Um, could you name some of my issues for me? Uh, sure, happy to help. We all need a friend or two like that, right? In the right spirit, of course. In the right there are, there are those that are usually anxious to do that aren't the right people to be doing that, you know. Uh, we need somebody who loves us enough and, and, and will tell us the truth, but can do so in a way that's, uh, that's uh, a little more gentle. And we have to ask God to help us see that. We have, we have, a, we have a communion about, about once a month. We're, we're starting again in February. We're starting again with our, we, we call them Vespers, or it's just, it's, it's, we're calling it different, calling it Second Sunday now, starting in February. Second, second Sunday at 6 o'clock. 
when do you think that when do you think that would be? When do you think we would have Second Sunday? Huh? Second Sunday. Huh? Pretty ingenious name, huh? Second Sunday we'll have communion, worship, uh, message from the Bible, and uh, together. Anyway, my point is this: whenever whenever we have communion, what you'll hear me say or Clay or whoever's leading, um, you'll hear, hear us say. We need to take some time, and we always give you time to do this before we take communion, just to examine our heart. And if there's any, we, we call it doing business with God. If there's anything I need to, I need to get it off my chest between me and, and God, and say, Lord, I need to confess to you some sins. Confession, confess means to agree with God. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And confession just means agree with God. So we come to communion and we take that moment and we just say, and I do it, and I've been up here. And all of a sudden something hits me of something that I had said or some way I had treated somebody that, that week or, or, or even just some thoughts that are bouncing around in there, which is just a scary thing, scary thing to be inside my head. But, um, and just to say, Lord, God, I, 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 please forgive me. Please forgive me. I, I one time, we were serving communion here at one time, and, and, and I, I, was, I, got, I got angry because the people serving communion were slow. You know? So here I am trying to confess my sins and, and have communion so I can do it in the right way, and now I'm getting angry at the people for passing out the stuff too slowly. I'm like, I'm a mess, God. I'm a mess. You know? So we have to do that. And, 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 and by the way, it shouldn't be just once a month when we have communion. Um, it should be every day, maybe more than once during the day, if you're like me. Uh, several times a day, I've said, oh, Lord, help me, you know, please forgive me. I had these thoughts or those words or, or that treatment of somebody or, 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 or whatever it might be. And, and that's, that's part of the, it's examination, asking God to help you. Search me, oh, God, know my heart. Reveal it to me. So if I'm going to fight in this fight for this time, this 10,000 hours that I need to become more understanding of who God is, it has to start with this examination, and even God will help me with that. But there's a second thing that comes into play here too. Um, it also includes, this fight includes some discipline. We call them spiritual disciplines. You know, we need to better understand who God is if we're going to gain a heart of wisdom. And that takes time. And part of that time needs to be with some of these things that we call the spiritual disciplines. Look back in verse 10. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, hopefully more, you know. Um, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass. Verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Another Bible puts it this way, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Yet another translation puts it this way, so that we may grow in wisdom. You're getting the point, right? Spiritual disciplines involve a lot of different things. I've sort of categorized them into five things. These are broad categories. Let me just show you what I mean. Uh, the first one would be, uh, would be reading. Well, and these aren't in any particular order. Uh, reading. What do you mean? Well, does that mean the Bible? Yeah, that means the Bible. That other books as well about the Bible or about truth. I mean, we, we have to read. You say, well, I'm not much of a reader. Well, I'm sorry. You're going to have to read, okay? Or you can get it. I can get it um, on my iPhone. It reads to me. How about that, huh? Want to hear something? No. Um, you, can, you can even choose the accent, which is really kind of cool, isn't it? Um, or the language. I have one friend who, who, likes, who says he reads the Bible in a, a, in a second language that he's learned because it helps him, it helps him meditate more 
on, on those words. I'm not, it's not me, but I mean, that's, that's an interesting exercise. Whatever works for you. There's a lot of, there's this new Bible app. That's not new. It's, it, it's uh, new to some of you, this thing, you the, the uh, version Bible, right? Um, it is really amazing. I was, I was uh, every week, not almost every week, I kind of skimmed through that, found some new devotional plans there, and uh, got, they come right to my iPad. So it's, it's just a great tool to use. I, I highly recommend it. So you, we start with reading, reading the Bible, first of all, but other things as well. But then, then there's prayer, of course, and many kinds of prayer. There's contemplative prayer where you take time, maybe away, alone, quiet, just talk. But, but just every day we need to be praying throughout the day. Um, there's um, uh, accountability, people that can help us. You know, that sounds, that's a big word, and we get all scared when we hear that word. We all need some accountability. How you, you know, somebody that loves us enough to ask us the hard questions but won't judge us, right? How are you doing with that issue? Well, not great today. Pray for me, whatever it might be. Um, Serving, it's the other component. Serving involves, again, so many different things. It involves how my service, first of all, to Christ, maybe in the church. It involves my giving my, of my resources, my giving of my time. And, and, it might, it, and please don't misunderstand me. Serving is more than just serving within the four walls of the church. It's serving in, in, in other places as well. It's an, important, it's an important, that's why I love what we're doing with Renaissance Care, some of the things we're doing getting out of the church to, to help others. And that's, that's I think, a, just a huge issue. And then, of course, there's community, which is we call that fellowship or whatever, uh, like that. And that's important. It's where you're hanging with people who, uh, who, who are like-minded. Maybe you don't agree on everything. Maybe in many other walks of life you would never cross, but you hang, and, 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 you, and you'd be able to talk about some of the more important areas of life and how to be a better, how to be a better husband or wife or friend or, or father or, 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 or mother or whatever that might be. Um, so just, just, just work those five things into, think through it. Those are also on the, on the website under notes. And figure out how that works for you. For everybody, it's different. Um, my wife is an example. She usually, oftentimes, oftentimes, before she gets out of bed, she'll, when she wakes up, she her, has her iPad right there, and she'll read whatever reading she's doing in the Bible and maybe a devotional or whatever before, before she ever hits, her feet ever hit the floor. Um, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm more of a, you know, I'm more of comatose at the time of the morning. And I'm more of a middle of the day, late in the afternoon, sometimes evening type of guy when I, when I do my... The important thing is not when, it's just that you do this. And, and, you, and you, really, you really get challenged on your way to this 10,000-hour rule thing. Because, because it's so important to understand that, that we need to better understand who God is to gain a heart of wisdom. And that takes time. It's a fight for time. Um... Carl Stanbury, the great writer, said this. I love this quote. Time is the coin of your life. It is the only coin you have, and only you can determine how, how it will be spent. Be careful lest you let other people spend it for you. Pretty, pretty insightful, isn't it? Listen, I understand that. Uh, in my profession particularly, we're not always in control of our schedules. But at the end of the day, we still are at some level. We still are. There's still some things we can say. It's not just how I, I'm busy and how I spend my how How do I best spend my time? That's the, the, the exercise we have to continue doing. So we have this thing and, this, and this, this time with God, you know, understanding who God is. It's going to take some time. Um, examination. Spiritual disciplines. Third thing is, is, is now this is the good stuff. If we're winning that fight and, and, and cont- present active tense in the Greek, they would say, if we are winning this. In other words, it, we're still in it, 
we're winning. We're not, we haven't won. We're just winning. If we're winning even a little bit, then that's when it's good. We gain a heart of wisdom or are gaining present, active, tense, gaining a heart of wisdom. That's why he says, teach us to number our days that we may, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. May the favor of our Lord, our God, rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Listen. Time is either going to give us a heart of wisdom or a heart of foolishness. And I remember a long time ago, one of the first times I visited a nursing home. Now we have different names for them, retirement home, nursing homes, rehab center. This was for my, my long-deceased long grandmother this was many years ago. And I remember just some of the interactions that I had with different people in there. And, and, and have you ever done this? You've gone to these places, and there's a lot of really old, bitter people. I, I, I mean, you, it, it seems, at least with my experience, there's a whole lot more bitter old people than there are pleasant old people, at least where I've, where I've been over the years. Not always, but been my experience. Here's the point, and here's how it hit me. I remember it very well. I, I, I said something like this to God as I was leaving. Um, at this point, I'm like 20-something. You know, I'm, I'm, I, know, I know nothing. Uh, um, I, I just said something like, God, please, don't let me get old and bitter. I just don't, that just looks so bad. It looks so tough. And that needs to be our prayer, but I'll tell you what, that's a fight because you know and I know now after living these mm, some many years, um, there's a lot to get bitter about. I have a lot more reasons to get bitter than not. What are you going to choose with that? It's a choice. It's a choice at the end of the day. And that's why we need to work on this 10,000-hour mark of God, being with God. Because he has a way of, of shaping and molding our heart and, and making us into the people that we need to be. Heart of wisdom, heart of foolishness. That foolishness has many faces. Bitterness, self-reliance, isolation. I said these words on September the 19th, 2004. And I happened to have that message manuscripted. I have a, a tape of it and I listened to it and wrote these words down. It was that, that particular day, uh, September the 19th, 2004, was our first service in this, in this building. And uh, we had like about 100 people here, including our Jewish landlord. You know, I was just, just anybody I could get, hey, come on Sunday, come, come. I knew we were going to need 100 people, you know. Um, about 100, not, not quite 100. I'm, I'm exaggerating there a little bit. Um, but I said these words. I'm just going to read it. One of the great, yeah, this is pretty funny. One of the great things about this building, the new home of Renaissance, is that it incorporates the old with the new. This old brick wall, built in 1893, adds to the character of the auditorium. Like that, we should embrace where we've been, all that has brought us to this point, not run from it, not try to cover it up, all the other things we often do with our past, but ask God to continue to build in us the character and wisdom that only He can do. Because God, Growing in wisdom is an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. It doesn't just happen. There has to be a plan. We have to seize the day. Now, back to my, 
Back to my Malcolm Gladwell point. The 10,000-hour rule. How are you doing with that? You say, well, I'm not doing very good, Rich. In fact, I haven't even started yet. That's okay. Time to start. Or maybe you're a little further down the road. Here, here, here's part of this is where, and I, I meant to say this earlier, maybe I kind of alluded to it. I, 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 we, I try to figure out where I am on that. 10, I'm, I'm my third or fourth term, so to speak, of the 10,000-hour rule. And here's the deal. It's never over. It's never over. It's always a process. Sometimes I'm discouraged because I think I, when I hit 60, I was going to mention this last Sunday, when I hit 60, I thought I should be a little further along than what I am. But the funny thing about growing in your faith is the more you learn, the more you grow, the more you realize, the more you need. It's funny how that works. So let's get started. Become an expert in who God is. There really aren't any experts, but you understand my, my drift. That 10,000-hour rule, a great one. It's a lifelong endeavor, but everybody benefits. The Lord's honored, you benefit, all the people around you benefit as you practice that. Let me read last one thing to you from, from Jeremiah, because Jeremiah tells us what the Lord says. I love Jeremiah. Here's what, here's what Jeremiah says the Lord says, chapter 9 of Jeremiah. This is what the Lord says. Got my attention. Let not the wise man boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. If you're going to boast about anything, boast about I am learning better and deeper and in a greater way who God is. And he's building into me a heart of wisdom. And that takes time. And that's worth the fight. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord for the abilities that you give us, the opportunities that you give us to carve into our lives this so important time with you that we all desperately need. I pray, God, that you would burden our hearts and our minds and our conscience with that. We thank you for that. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that Jesus came and lived and suffered and died and he rose again and he did that for me, for each one of us, as we trust you. We thank you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming. Two things, real quick, as you leave. Next Sunday, first of all, Julie, our own Julie Rogers will be uh, with a message. It's going to be a, the, the, fight with, the fight for your mind. Julie's going to be singing that song by Sarah uh, Bareilles called Brave. Pretty cool song, huh? Um, and second thing I want to tell you about, save the date. Get it, mark it down right now. Pull out, your, pull out your calendars. February the 2nd, Sunday, February the 2nd, 6 p.m., Right here. New York's greatest Super Bowl party. Right here, baby. Be here. It's going to be great. And we're all going to watch the Broncos together. Yes. God bless. Have a great night. Great day.